It's a, a ball of energy. Yeah. Can you stop eating the stick? <laughs> you can chew it, but don't eat it. Wally. Well, full, full name Wallenby, but uh, he's, he's only eight months. He's a golden retriever, and uh, he's everyone's best friend. Uh, he tries to be anyway. He tries to be, even if they don't want him, but... You're a radio star too now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the stone of Carlo glints in the winter light. Settlement and human history spelled out in granite in the Dolman County. Carlo has the highest concentration of megalithic monuments per acre of any county in Ireland. The most famous and recognisable of these is the Browns Hill Dolman just off the Hackettstown Road outside Carlo Town. And in this old landscape, I meet Victoria and Ian Kennelly out walking two dogs. And you walk here most days with your dogs? Most days, yep. Most days, yeah. yeah. And you pass by this extraordinary portal tomb, Browns Hill portal tomb. Yes. What is the largest capstone in, in Europe. Europe, isn't it? Yes. How did they manage to lift, you know, granite like that? That is a great mystery, well, it's isn't it? definitely a marvel to me, because sometimes I can barely lift myself out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Carlo has lots of, of megalithic tombs and and sites and I think it's supposed to be in the, it's the Dolman County I think. Yeah, it's yeah. Dolman County. Yeah. Mm. Being a smaller county obviously what we're the second smallest county in Ireland but those shirts plenty. It's our <laughs> kingdom. Everyone is welcome. Yes there's one or two that have their ideas but as a whole I think we're pretty we're a great county I have to say. Almost definitely. Thank you so Thank much. You so Cheers, much. Thanks so much. Enjoy, Enjoy the rest of the county. Thanks a million. You're listening to The County Measure. I'm Vincent Woods. We're making a journey around Ireland 100 years after independence and partition to get a measure to get many measures of all 32 counties. We're looking at place, landscape and the people who shape their lives within these boundaries of community and county. In this series, I'm hoping to get a fresh understanding of each county and its people as we shape a radio atlas of Ireland. What's in a name and its meaning? Carlo from the Irish Carlock suggests a place or plain of cattle or herds, home to the kings of Leinster and an important commercial and trading centre with transport and movement along the River Barrow and the old Schlicoolen route to Tara. Carlo Town today is a busy and lively place, a youthful energy centred out from the South East Technological University, with a thriving café culture, Lamberts, water lilies and baked café. There's a strong sense of pride here, a determined community spirit making the new. A flavour of all that can be found in a new book called Generations, a County Carlo story of family and food. Hello. 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 Please excuse me. <laughs> Liliana Vincent. Hi, Liliana. Lovely to meet you. I meet one of the contributors, Hi, Liliana Kakia, who with her husband owns the Sweet Baking Mama Cafe on Castle Street. At home, in her kitchen, she tells me how her baking and industry 
was inspired by her grandmother, Grace, in Malta. So my grandmother is my mum's mum, from my mum's side. She kind of instilled that love, that passion for baking. She would be bossing us around, literally with the rolling pin in her hand. It's a serious business. Yes, very Mediterranean temper. We wanted to come to Ireland, um, believe it or not, because of the weather. A lot of Irish people look at me like I'm crazy. We love this weather. I didn't want to be in a city, in a busy city. And it seemed like a small town, which I am from. Like it's it's a farming community. So it seemed very similar to my own town back in Malta. How many years ago? 2018, five years. Okay, five years ago. Five years ago. And yeah. you never looked back? Never looked back. Never looked back. No, Fantastic. we love it here. So I'm in here at half past five with my coffee. And then I wake the kids up at eight to take them for the school run. What have you been doing here, for instance, this morning? So this morning I was making a wedding cake. It's kind of like a seaside um, theme. Series of images. Yeah, so I'm just going to make the stars and seashells and stuff like that. Um, So there's a mould. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And sugar paste and I'll marble it. And she wants kind of like a pebbly beach on top. I'm going to make kind of like the pebbles and sand and stuff like that. So, and the cafe then in Carlo yes, Town. Yes, it's in Carlo Town. That's obviously going well. For yes, you. my husband is there as well. So it's literally a family-run business. It's me and my husband. During the, like the weekends, the kids help as well. My husband cooks then in the cafe. So he cooks and I bake. So it's a match made in heaven. And the important thing is we have separate kitchens. Very important, it's I very would imagine. Very important yeah. because there'll be knives flying. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> No, but we love each other, really. Is it tough at times to run and sustain a business here in, in Carlo? Honestly, the council rates are... I find them ridiculous, the amount of council rates we pay. And I find that really disheartening because I think Carlo Town needs a bit of a kind of like push. And we're kind of like in a bit of a slump at the moment, I think. And the ingredients, the price of ingredients, it's always going up bag of icing sugar like that that went up 15 euros a bag and literally from one day to the next and you would be using a lot of that a lot of that yeah Yeah. what are some of the best things about Carlo for you I think it's just the fact that everyone knows everyone and this kind of like I go to Tesco for example someone says oh hi how are you and then my son would be like mommy what coffee does she have and I'd be like she has a one shot latte extra hot and then another person will say hello and he's like what coffee does she have he takes an americano for example no milk you know i know everyone's coffee i believe if you move somewhere with the right mindset if you integrate well with people's culture even though ireland is so similar to malta you have no idea it's very family orientated um kind of like a catholic based community and that it's very similar to malta but i do believe that if you go with the right mindset you will do well anywhere you go and here you are in this lovely book, Generations of Carlo Story yes. of Family and Food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it must be really nice food, to be food, part of the always, book and part yes. of the community. Yeah. I'm always anywhere where there's food, I'm there. Yeah, and it's lovely to meet you. It was yeah. lovely having you. Yeah, yeah delighted you so you're here in Carlo. Thank you. Thank you.
you're on Tullow Street in the central Carlo, I can't help noticing in the window of Made in Carlo Gallery a calendar for 2024, the gift of art. And I think one has to buy the like. On Tullow Street, amid small independent shops and enterprising Hello. buskers, How you doing? we find a place stuffed with local art, sculpture, paintings, colourful objects all over the place. Julie Lee, minding the shop, describes the mission behind Made in Carlo, which was set up by Morris O'Reilly in 2018. A space for local artists to display, to make it more accessible for them and to the public, promote the artists, just to create a sense of community. Trying to bring a bit of life and colour back into Tullow Street. The, the footfall has increased here, which is benefiting everyone. My name is Demante Stankevicciute and I work in Maiden Carlo and I also help organise Carlo Fringe Arts Festival. You have uh, the calendar, yes. the 2024 calendar, yes. and it did catch my eye. Uh, and it, tell me a little bit about the making of that calendar. Uh, this is our third year doing the calendar. And I suppose we tried to feature 12 different artists. So, so there's one artist for every month. It's also printed locally by printers that are down the street. So it's like, it's kind of trying to keep it as local as possible. So, so very much made in Carlo. Yes. The so, Carlo calendar. Yeah. <laughs> I studied product design, and then I also studied sustainability recently. So, and I guess I got involved in made in Carlo because I kind of saw that in terms of sustainability and stuff, the future is local. So in a way it's important to actually create local things that support local people. And I suppose it's my way of getting, helping and getting involved with that. And there's Ola's work as well. Ah, so tell me a little bit about it. I'm Olani Ola Dimiji. I'm from Nigeria. I also work in Made in Kalu and I'm also an artist. It's an African composition where it's a street, Olado Yibo Street in Lagos. So it's always a very busy road. You see oranges, you see different kinds of shops and everything. So there are always activities on the streets. I use mostly bright colors to walk. Yeah, and you have some people there in in the market. But what I love is the idea then that that it is this Nigerian market with a bit of with a bit of Carlo, a bit of Carlo, sweet Carlo sky. Yeah, the sky is beginning to cloud a little. Yeah, <laughs> as, as it does. Yeah. It's a beautiful painting, though. Yeah. The colors Thank are wonderful. It's really beautiful. Carlo has uh, become my home. I love it here, but the weather is a bit too <laughs> too cold. But I still love it. The first snow of winter that I've witnessed here in Carlo as we head for the village of Vena, Mount Leinster ahead, shrouded in the white of snow today. The last few days of the, the drift of beautiful mist and everything spectral and clear picked out within that mist. And now this great 
burst of sunshine, even warmth in the day. Grey, blue sky that earlier was heavy, seemed to be heavy with the promise or threat or possibility of, of more snow. Maybe that's receded, but God, you're reminded again so many seasons in one journey, in one day. So yeah, just as you're going out of the village, Sorry. just turn, I hope he's there now, he should be. Calling into the local shop in Fenna, Pauline Carney tells us to visit Tom Cox, a mainstay of the community. And Tom Cox. Tom Cox. Cox. Yeah, Brilliant. Definitely. He's, he's in the Fenna Improvement Group, so he knows Fantastic all about, all about it. it. Good, good. I take the advice to visit and to hear about his pride of place. Tom Cox, hello. How are you doing? He begins by telling me about a particular local feature, the distinctive Carlo Fence. Carlo fence are uh, granite uprights with lintels and they are resting flat on the stone. This is the original one down here in Valley Darton. It was the Watsons who lived in that. They were landlords here back then. They were Quakers. Being Quakers, they, they didn't take up guns, but they were either stretcher bearers or uh, the, the, the cavalry and that. They looked after the horses, the grooming and all that. John Watson, he was the man that shot the last wolf in Ireland on Mount Leinster, I reckon, you know. But there's a lot of granite around here. There was a quarry in Newtown, which is only two miles away, and some of the stone got from that was used in Cove Cathedral and in the lighthouse in Valencia Island, and, that, and the walls around it were, were used, uh, the, stone, the granite stone from here. Not particularly for its uh, strength as much as for its colour. It was a nice white granite, a nice clear granite, you know. I was taken by the name because uh, there's a, a f- what we call Fina, Yes. in, in uh, South Leitrim yes. and I thought what way is it pronounced here and of course it's, it's the Fena and you have to, be, you have to yes. be very particular and get it right yes. <laughs> There's two pronunciations of it in Irish one is Fionvac which I think is a fair son or something like that and Fionne which is a woody place or woody vale or woody like that you know so I, and I was born in the village even though I moved to Bagnestown for many years I worked in Keynes of Bagnestown and uh, but it was always a a walk away from here, that's all, you know. So I never I never lost, uh, I never lost the love of this place. I never want to leave here. Everything we have is around me. We have the rivers, the mountains, and we have peace, you know, especially now with Gaza and these things, uh, Ukraine. What we have in the last 10, 15 years since, since the trouble in the north was sorted out, it's absolutely heaven here. You're looking out, the sun is out after this wet morning. There's a great burst of sunlight. It's, 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 That's it's, Mount Leinster just be out there, yes. And here's the postman. My name is Sarah Breen and I'm a writer originally from Burris County, Carlow. I'm probably best known for being the co-author of the Ashling series of novels. There is a bump in the road on the way into Burris. I push the accelerator as we approach and shout, hang on to your knickers. In the back seat, my three children squeal in excitement as the car tyres briefly leave the tarmac 
and for a split second we're flying. I'm on my way home. Burris is a quintessential Irish town, built around a single street, which slopes gently downwards, the Blackstairs Mountains standing purple and foreboding in the distance. This main archery is lined with trees of the Burris House domain on the right, their branches heavy with crow's nests. When you're a local, you don't notice it, but the cawing and cackling of the birds is sometimes deafening. It's the second largest rookery in Europe, my aunt once told me proudly, but I could never find any evidence to support this claim. On the left side of the street, there are a clatter of pubs and a couple of shops. A bookies with blacked out windows. A hairdresser's that changes hands and names regularly. Doyle style was my favourite, although it only really makes sense when said in a strong Carlo accent. Doyle style. I found Burris to be a suffocating place to grow up. There was little else to do than hang around and wait for something to happen. But nothing ever happened there. As teenagers, we gathered on walls and windowsills. Net curtains twitched. Hanging around is how you got into trouble. The ink was barely dry on my Leaving Cert results when I left for Dublin's bright lights in the summer of 2000. I had just turned 18 and had a singular goal. To get out. I longed to go where nobody knew me or my family. I wanted to be anonymous for the first time in my life. Once I left, that was it. Dublin quickly found a place in my heart and it's where I settled. Even after the babies came and our pokey little home felt small, the prospect of building a house with a utility room and having a garden big enough for a swing set and more couldn't lure me back. I didn't see the appeal. Now though, when I turn left down Main Street, the children giddy with the anticipation of a weekend with their grandparents, I have a new appreciation for this peaceful village. The sight of the trees takes my breath away. Oak, beech, hazel, birch, were they always so tall? I see it through my husband's eyes. He admires the Georgian houses and the Carla granite walls, which twinkle in the sun. He says the 16-arch viaduct is a feat of engineering. I admit I grew up thinking every town had one. We swim in the barrow at Clash, where I used to dive for plastic bottles of sand many summers ago. The silhouette of my daughter sitting on the weir, her skin glistening, makes me happy. They love it here. Later, when we're in the pub, my husband thinks it's funny that people greet me by name, even though it's been more than 20 years since I left and I don't get to visit often. That's a small town for you, I tell him. The crows wake him up early in the morning, but I don't hear them. Over breakfast, I say, did you know it's the second largest rookery in Europe? We're here on the edge of the River Barrow at uh, Ballytyglay Bridge, just outside Boris, and delighted to be here with two local women who have done great work for the river. Mary White from Blackstairs Eco Trails. Olivia O'Leary from Boris. Just, I think you both swim around here, don't you? 
Well, yeah, there's a terrific uh, swimming place called White Walls. I don't know why it's called White Walls, down opposite the uh, weir and the island. Lovely, you know, deep water, and you swim across to the weir, and it's like an infinity pool looking back towards Burroughs House Domain. Uh, it does have some vicious swans nearby. I was nearly a victim of one. Uh, of the male swan, the cob, coming at me in the water. I had to dive underneath. You were swimming and the swan I was swimming, yeah, mid-river, and it came for me. Now, I knew it had cygnets, and I was well aware from about 300 metres away from it. And never get too close to a swan is my advice. No, I mean, they're, and they're very big and strong, and they, they could are. do quite a bit of damage. Yeah, But you know they're minding their little ones, so you sort of forgive them. Of you course. do, yeah. yeah. The river, and even this, this morning has been very wet is high but the, the splendour of it is, is apparent you, and I think you're both really aware of that. It is magnificent I mean it's the second longest river in Ireland and it's a wild thing and it has its moods and by God it has its moods today. It's a corridor of wild things there's always something different every time you walk this towpath isn't it Mary? Absolutely, and I would walk probably every second day here uh, through the season, so I'm able to see whatever crawls, flips, flops, grubs, makes new noises, whatever, on this wonderful river of 119 miles long, and Carlo's got a good stretch of it, all the way down to where it meets the, the sea coming up at St Mullins. This is the saviour of the barrow, this grassy track, because it holds the bank together and was used in former days, you know, for barge horses to come along and pull the, the boats along uh, with coal and wheat or whatever they were bringing. And particularly with the rapid rise in sea levels and the fast floods and the rapid floods that we're getting now from frequent storms, we need these solid grassy banks here to hold the roots of the trees in place. And there's no way we can remove the roots of the trees here without destroying this wonderful forest land and woodland that we have here. Wouldn't you think so? Yeah, Olivia? a corridor of biodiversity, yeah. as the United Nations asked us to That's provide. Right. We have it already. Yeah. It's called the Barrow. Any time I walk along here, I either see egrets, kingfishers, otters poking up with their little whiskery faces and looking at me and saying, you know, what are you doing here? This is my landscape. And of course, in the springtime, it is unbelievable with the warblers that come from, from Africa, with the willow warblers and the chiff-chaffs. I'm very conscious when I look at the river that sitting at home in the family album are pictures of my mother and my father when they were kids enjoying this river, either on a boat or diving in and out of it. And I sort of feel when I look at it that if I look upriver, I see the people who are coming after me. And if I look downriver, I'm conscious of the ones who've gone. So the river was very much part of our lives. Olivia, have you written about the barrow at all? Are you talking about a poem? I have, and, and uh, you know, it's not a wonderful thing, though I did manage to have a copy of it in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> now, this was written about the river, not as it is today on a wet, wet day in wintertime, but on one of those gorgeous, maybe heavy July summer days um, in, this, in this inland place. This one is called July. All year I've waited for this slow July. The river idles, empties, lost weirs appear, and the rib cage of trees, nothing breathes. Like bleached cattle, we lurch to the river. A bowed reed leans on the stream, flies bead the rushes. This is life so still, it's near to no life. 
Elsewhere, there's edginess of shore, seed litter, gulls. But this is the heart of the country, intimate and particular. Heat films the far bank, a sally haunts the shallows, and the heart rests. If it wasn't for the Dolmans and Wicklow's prior claim, Carlow could well be named the Garden County, such as the abundance of fine and diverse gardens in this rich patch of Ireland. Hard to choose one from the Carlow Garden Trail, but in the end I opt for the herb gardens at Kilgraney House outside Bagnallstown. Brian Leach shows me around. You're very welcome, Vincent. Good to meet you. And yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thanks for dropping by. Rather... We have a black cat at our feet, which is always a good sign. Yes. <laughs> the... he's, he's not ours, but he comes for breakfast. Sometimes I call him Tiffany, <laughs> but uh, we call him Bo. He's very Bo. Yeah, very handsome fellow, aren't you? Um, this time of year, obviously, the garden is pretty dormant. Well, isn't this it? I mean, it's any garden in winter is dormant, as if it's sleeping. And then, I suppose, really from the turn of the year and that the, the days lengthening again. Every Irish person, they're fixated by the, the length of day. We're always looking forward to the winter solstice and seeing the stretch in the evening. And it, it becomes part of our conversation. I love how the garden is now. I mean, I love this austerity, but it's also this, these beautiful yellows, greens turning into a kind of an ochre, those little flashes of red that you get in, and, and, and the leaves. <laughs> we'll go down to some lower courtyards. The really nice thing about the gardens is they reveal themselves slowly. So when you arrive at the house, you don't see very much, and then you turn a corner and you've got this magnificent granite courtyard. And then we go down this ste these stairs and uh, you've got two courtyards, one to the right, one to the left. A monastic herb garden and a cosmic herb garden. So we're entering the cosmos <laughs> garden. So on your left here is the cosmic garden and it's really a semicircular garden divided into 12 beds. Each bed represents the star signs and we have just the stainless steel balls overhead um, as the luminaries, the sun and the moon. Um, so the 12 beds are, are planted um, with herbs that uh, Culpepper had matched to the star signs. Culpepper wrote a lot about uh, herbs, both their medicinal use when the flower appeared or when the seed was ready for harvest, that's how he aligned a lot of them to the months, as I understand it. Mm. So mm. What, what star sign are you, Vincent? I'm Leo. So I'm with Leo, at... it's box, um, chamomile, chamomile, marigold, marigold and, and rue. rue. <laughs> well, chamomile, I'm a pretty regular taker of chamomile tea, yeah. Okay, so this is um, our monastic herb garden, four raised uh, beds. 
and they've been planted uh, to reflect the use of herbs in medieval monastic uh, monasteries for medicinal purposes, for uh, flavouring beers, wines and spirits, for ceremonial purposes and also uh, for keeping bugs away, strewing the herbs, the dried herbs on the floor and hanging them up in your closet. So, Were you always interested in herbs? Uh, yeah, well, I grew up in a household with a mother that was an incredible cook and she ran a guest house just outside Enniscorthy and she used a lot of herbs in her cooking. She also used a lot of alcohol in her cooking <laughs> and a lot of cream. <laughs> it's a miracle I haven't died of a heart Good attack mix, yeah. in my 20s. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one pink rose left. Oh, two. Yeah. You. Love. Hanging in there. Yeah. You're listening to The County Measure, and we're in Carlow. Here in the fine market square in Tullow, on a misty, cold winter day, it's hard to imagine the scene in July 1798 when the famous father, Murphy father, John Murphy of Boulevard, was executed in this square. There's now a fine memorial to him. He's depicted with his right arm aloft in blessing over the town. But it was here he was executed with, as it says, his faithful follower John Gallagher in July 98, most cruelly and barbarously put to death by English soldiers in this spot. And it was barbarous after the rising in Wexford and they, they came through heading for the Midlands and what makes the, the horror of his execution. He was hung, drawn and quartered, his body placed in a barrel of tar, pitch, and his decapitated head put on a spike. It's, it's to think of, of the cruelty of that and the uprising in this place. What is it, only two and a quarter centuries ago? You know, you'd stand here now and you'd never, could never imagine it, and it's... Not far away at all. A striking feature of many Irish towns is the tangible expression of local pride, place and history in the form of a local museum. Tullow's museum is housed in an old Methodist church at the River Slaney Bridge. Hello. And it displays a set of vestments believed to have been worn by Father Murphy. I would say our most important, or in my point of view, valued item is the Father Murphy vestments. Billy Wright is my name. I'm the chairperson of the same society. Father Murphy had an aunt in Tullow and he was coming back. His vestments were with her. And he was coming back to see her and probably check on them. We're looking at what believed to be a set of vestments that belonged to him. Very plain, beige and white, worn cross on the front. A priest would have had a set of vestments in, in nearly every area. Jo I'm John Kyo, I'm the secretary of Tullow Phelan Historical Society. And if you look at the, if you even look at the stitch, the, the work on that, it's so, it's so rough and ready that it's, it's nothing like the silk that they're wearing on, t on today's standards, if you know what I mean. So it isn't. Every little town should have a museum like this, you know. Because just the, the things we have, 
uh, and the stuff they get thrown out. They have ordinary items, but maybe would be 100 years old. Granny used this and Granny used that. And I'd say, why don't you send them down to the museum? And the first thing they say, I definitely wouldn't want those. And we have lots of things that, oh, yeah, we have two of those at home, you know. <laughs> you, have to, you have to remember, Tullow was a market town and they had a mix of everything. You name it, cobblers, breweries, felt hatters, everything that you could think of. And it, it, is, and it was also a garrison town, so you'd have, you'd have the, the connection with, with the musketry and that, and the swords and things, you know. I mean, you have egg boxes from hatcheries, you, you know, and you have shoes from local cobblers, and bits of the railway, you have old clocks, and you have the telephone, the wind-up telephone. Kids will not believe that's a phone. Because how do you carry that around with you? Is the first question they ask you. They really doubt it. When I was using the phone, you'd, you'd actually uh, you'd only have to lift the phone and wait, and then you'd get the operator in the post office who'd yes. say, "What number do you want?" Yes. And you'd say you'd whatever you know, Tullow twenty nine, yes. and you'd be you say, "Hold on," and you could be wait a minute or two, and eventually you'd be put through. But you couldn't be guaranteed that they weren't listening in. <laughs> Would you still get offers of donations? Would you still have the potential for things, new things yeah, to come in? it happens nearly, nearly weekly. We have new items being brought in and, and catalogued. So my name is Conor Frayne and I'm a heritage worker here at the museum. We had one... We had one I'm, I'm actually in the process of kind of cleaning up at the moment. It's a lamp. And, uh, is it this one? Uh, yeah, a local farmer brought it in. Now, it's been, I think... Uh, would have been an oil lamp. It looks like a yeah. uh, paraffin oil lamp yeah. uh, that's been painted a good few times. Yeah. yeah, we have the globe actually yeah. still. It's yeah. just got a bit of... Yeah. So there's uh, a bit yeah. of clean-up to be done. But yes. Yeah, people always come in with these items and, and, and every item has a story and people yes. are only too happy to tell the story of the items. Hello there. How you doing? Couldn't help noticing as we passed. Oh yeah. We're making a radio series for RT Radio called The County Measure. I'm Vincent Woods. What's your own name? Michael Johnson. Tell me, Michael, how long have you been tailoring here in Tullow? Since 1867. <laughs> you don't look a day of it. <laughs> Time is a kind of active still life in Michael Johnson's tailor's shop in Tullow. Michael has retained many of the touches and traditions that have come down over generations in his family. He sits working in the window, legs stretched out in old tailor style, watching the street, his keen eye not missing a beat or a stitch as he sews and makes. I think there are about four proper tailors in Ireland. You know, there are people with 
uh, tapes around her neck. <laughs> Claim to be tailors. Yes. Make the cuffs, as it were. You know, my father, of course, would have told me about fair days in Tullow and having five suits sold before seven o'clock in the morning. Us farmers would have worn three-piece suits. Now it's the legal profession. Then, of course, we had the president here and we got a phone call. Uh, this is Oris in Uteron. We'll be with you between two and three o'clock tomorrow. And I said, there's some fella having me on here. He says he's from Oris in Uteron. So three o'clock the next day, these cars pull up outside the door and in walks the president and the wife, you know. And he's a man who likes a good suit. Yeah. And he, and he wears them well, too. Yeah. yeah. This is the workshop. The other shop is where we have our cloths. And, and what street are we looking out on, Bridge Michael? Street. Bridge Street. This is Bridge Street. OK, yes. So you, and you have a great view of the street, of course, as well. And See everything. It's terrible and everyone. trying to avoid somebody. <laughs> of course, you're, you're, you're in full view. You have no you're, hope. You're, 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 yeah, you're trapped, you're caught. Ah, I love it. Because I, I was just going to ask you, where where do you get your cloth? Where do you get your materials? And well, here's a great display of this beautiful cloth. Oh, it's the old iron. iron. No, oh, wow. Feel the weight of that. Oh, jeez, I can't lift it. Oh, my God. I can't actually can't lift it with one hand. Oh. <laughs> you, yeah, well, after, you're a stronger man after, than me. Uh, yeah. That was electric, and it was plugged in. And, and you could imagine pressing off an overcoat and you're up, down, up, down, up, down you with that. You get oh. your muscles built up, well, I tell I you. Had, yeah. I ended up with a tennis elbow, you know. An iron, an iron elbow. But, uh, <laughs> after 60-something years, you get used to yeah. lifting. I think I might have to come back with suit, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel a new suit coming on. Go away and come back you're listening to the county measure and we're in Carlo I suppose all towns in Ireland, all small villages indeed, have something unique about them. And the small town of Ballon, uh, here in Carlow, on the N80, the main route between Wexford and Dublin, is no different. Population about 800, very busy main street. But there's an initiative from just over 10 years ago uh, that makes the place quite particular. And we're going to find out a little more about on shop a gloss. The old garage that is now on shop a gloss is a unique Carlo Aladdin's cave of things, almost the proverbial needle to an anchor here. Clothes, books, crockery and toys. Hello, hello there. How are you? Oh doing? God, how are you? Moira yeah, George is our guide. A lot of people moved down from Dublin at the time of the Celtic Tiger 
So now since the COVID, a lot of them can work from home, you know, so it's, it's it eased the pressure on some people. An awful lot of small industries feeding into it, especially agricultural industries, you know, we have a big uh, abattoir and uh, we have a big sawmill out the road. I yeah. love the uh, the name of the pub across the road, the Bull Tree Bar. Oh, the Bull Tree Bar. The Bull Tree, <laughs> that's historic. There was a whole row of those trees one time. And that's the last remaining one. And they used to tie the bulls to that on the market days. And that's where that got his name. And are you a local woman yourself? No, no. I'm not. Where <laughs> I blew in 50 from? years ago. Yeah. yeah, from a place called Tralee. There's loads of blows ins now. We never yeah. thought that there'd be Ukrainians living at both sides of us, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's the way it is. Right. And we have 70 of them over in the hall presently in nice. our community centre. Hello. This is the back this is the back room. This is where all the work happens. This is the nerve centre. This is Deirdre and this is Bridget. Hi, hello, yeah. Bridget. Hello. I uh, Because you get a lot of stuff every week, don't you? Yeah. Oh, every, every day. day. Every, every day. day. Every hour. <laughs> <laughs> every hour. <laughs> well we go through all the donations, the bags of clothes and the books and things for Christmas, you know put them together and we check that no bits are broken and the pieces are right. in them. Yeah. You know. Every penny coming through here goes into Ballon Improvement Group. They use it to do the village, maintain the village and it goes to the two schools. And then we bought a, a, a new community house. We were able to give a hefty donation towards Brilliant. it. Yeah. Six or seventy bags. There. Yeah, there is, yeah. yeah. Packed full of clothes, packed full of donations. Yeah. Yeah, ties, clothes, shoes, everything in the one bag. Yeah. yeah. Delf, everything like wow. that. <laughs> so handle them all with care. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. What are some of the most remarkable things you've got over the years? I'm sure you have got some remarkable well, things. Well, instead of false teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good donation. Someone right. was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we couldn't do much maybe, of that. Maybe they just fell into the bag when the oh, person yeah, was packing. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> My name is Laura Quirk, and I'm from Coluctionon, which is about eight kilometres outside of Burris at the foot of Mount Leinster. This piece that I wrote is called The Well, inspired by St. Fortune's Well in Coluctionon. But I wrote this piece after looking through the Ducas archive, uh, in particular the school's collection from 1937, where the school kids were asked to go back to their neighbours and grandparents and ask them stories of the local area. And there's loads of stuff there from Kluxnon School. I stole a lot of the lines of this song from a transcription of a man who was 90 years of age at that time in 1937. His name was Thomas Joyce, and I think he lived quite near to where my home place is. The condition was that if you were to get cured, you had to leave behind what, he says, what the ailment required. So he said, at one time, hundreds of bandages, sticks and stirrups were piled in the old church walls. The well has significance for me anyway, because my granddad used to take care of the well when he was alive. My my dad's voice comes in at the end talking about seeing collection on its tiny, tiny little area from a plane because he's lived there all his life, 60 years, and how insignificant a place can be when you kind of zoom out from it, but how significant it can be when you live there and spend all your life there.
significant in its own way. A teeming wet grey day and we're climbing up the black stairs up the side of Mount Leinster to the Nine Stones, this very famous viewing point out over several counties. I think you might see eight counties from up at the Nine Stones. Heather, bog, mist coming down, grey clouds in the sky. I don't think we'll be seeing a lot of the many counties today, but we are meeting a local farmer, Tomas McCarthy, who knows this place like the back of his hand. Now, shove anything over that's in the seat. Brilliant. 
just unfortunate with the weather today. We're very used to that up here. <laughs> <laughs> and was tell me about about farming in this area. I started putting sheep up here on the Blackstairs Mountains um, when I was about 15 years of age. It was a, an addiction, really. <laughs> Even the wet days up here, you know, you're healthy, you're walking the mountains, you're working dogs. It's, there's no living like it. The profit is not there like it was in hill farming. Years ago, the price of wool was a pound a pound. Back in 59 and 1960, it was a pound. It was people had to buy land out of wool alone. Now wool is 30 cent a kilo. Unsaleable. It's a pay there's not more money out of it. The problem would be all I had, I'd say. <laughs> Including yourself, maybe. <laughs> the day that's in it, uh, we can probably do with a, a bit of shelter and, uh, and a warm drink. So I think you're going to take us back into Rahana and to a very convivial spot. That's right. We're going back down to the village of Rahana there. It's, it's hidden in the black stairs here, but it's lovely to have our local pub and, and our local area. Osborne's pub in Rahana is one room with a dark wooden floor, wooden counters, shelves, cupboards, drawers, snugs and a beautiful wooden ceiling. It's been a hotel, grocer's pub and apothecary since the Victorian age. The moss introduces me to locals, Morris O'Donoghue, Jimmy and Mary Cody, and to the publicans, Eric and Catherine Osborne. My first memory coming into Osborne's pub was with an uncle of mine. I was working at Sheepway when I was wearing white runners. And he said I badly needed a pair of work boots. <laughs> so he brought me down here one evening to get a pair of Czechoslovakian boots. Everyone had a pair of Czechoslovakian boots around here. I think I'm right on that, Jimmy. For yeah, years, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mary saw Czechoslovakian boards, <laughs> thousands of them, I'd say. <laughs> but that was my first. Memory. No better woman to bring you a bottle of whiskey. Did she'd be gone for about a quarter of an hour, but she'd come, <laughs> she'd come back with it. That's right, that's right. Yeah, she would. She sure would. I don't think there's anything that she didn't have. And she'd leave it up on the counter. Yeah. No privacy anyway. Yeah. Mary was Eric's relation that, that run the place for years. Mary and Harry. I know. I grew up, my parents have a pub, but I never never lived in the pub. And Eric grew up living in the pub. So he understood the, the commitment it takes to be here. You're in the public eye. You're, I, yeah. I found that hard at the start. That it's a, it's a, but we're really blessed with the community we have. Like we'd, see, we'd have people in here on a Saturday night and then we'd ha- ha- meet them over at Mass on Sunday morning. And I just think it's so lovely. And we're just really lucky with everyone that comes in here. Yeah. And they realise like this pub is not for getting hammered in. It's for enjoying a few drinks. And like, and you're nearly all in each other's conversations. It's so small. <laughs> we we're here in Rahana. We're only forty minutes from Wexford Town, Waterford Town, Kilkenny City, um, uh, Carlow Town. Like we're really in the middle of it all. But yet miles from everywhere. Oh, sure, the pub wasn't here. There'd be nothing in the village. There wouldn't be. It wouldn't be a village without a pub. And you have, you have good nights of card playing in here. Are you one of the card players? I am. Yes. Twenty-five. Uh, 30. Oh. 30, mostly 30, yeah. Uh, no, 30 is one up on me. I grew up playing 25. Yeah, just a trick extra. Okay, ah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same amount of cards, six cards, okay. just one trick extra. Five tricks in the 25, six tricks in the 30. In the days gone by, the older people have been more strict. Uh, they want to just play exactly right, you know what I mean? So it's strict enough here, but not 
that. Not that strict. I know, because they're eagle eyes as well. It's like, true, yeah, amazing. They'll be playing it for a passion, like. Yeah. Them times, you know what I mean? Now it's just a bit of fun as well, too, do you know what I mean? So, and a little bit serious as well. Yeah, you know, exactly. okay. <laughs> so. yeah. We had the band here, the Hannah Marchick Band, was uh, started here in 1980. I was one of the organisers because I had I had children that age at the time. I saw the lovely memorial across for the marching oh, band. Did you? Yeah. So oh, the band was fantastic here. It moved into Boris. In actual fact, there's very few people from Rahana, very few children from Rahana in the Rahana band now. There used to always be a Christmas party for the children and a Halloween party. And Santa used to come. And Santa Claus came. And Santa used to come up the road in a horse and car. So now those children are adults themselves now and they've started it up. They all have kids and it's amazing. So I think the Rahana band in a few years will get going again maybe. Definitely the Rahana band will come back yet to Rahana. People rambling from house to house. That tradition really stopped because of COVID. Big time. Has it come back at all? No, no, no. The stories that be told in them houses <laughs> wouldn't be all the truth either. No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there were, there were great times, really. There were great times, and the people were very genuine. You know, the older people were very genuine. Very sound people. When you were growing up that time, you talked to every old person. They talked to you, and they were looking for a little, you know. How many cows have your father in match? <laughs> yeah. Asher Fairman was very much different in times. But you're, you're a fairly good ad for it. I mean, you're, you're a very fresh-looking 86-year-old. Sure. And I believe you're still stuck into the farm. Oh, yeah, yeah. You couldn't get me away from it. As the years go on, the people who are still young now, they will become the older generation. And they hadn't got the same life experiences as the previous generation, as Jimmy's generation. I don't think you'd be lambing 90 years. Oh, I don't think they will. And they'd be right too. is a county of many quarters. The ancient and modern dwell at ease with each other here. The county and its towns hold so much. It may be the second smallest county in Ireland, but in many ways it's second to none. The layers of settlement and history here have folded quietly into the land and landscape and enriched it. Take time to stop at Duckett's Grove or the Quaker graveyard outside Ballon and you begin to sense the old power of this land. There's a determination here, a sense of enterprise and youthful energy. Things get done, new shops, cafes, businesses open without great fanfare or fuss, but they open and people come. It's as if the old Quaker ethos has imbued the whole place. It seems apt that George Bernard Shaw had close connections here. His mother was a girlie from Carlow Town and the theatre in the brilliant Visual Arts Centre is named after him. There's a singular, questing spirit here and rich ground in which new seeds are being sown and fresh shoots growing slowly 
towards the New Year's sun.